All right, like I said, we're over in Lamentations, so find your way there if you would. Uh, middle portion of the Old Testament, and you'll be in a good spot, or, or relatively, you'll be in the neighborhood, let me say it that way. Uh, we talked about it this morning. If you didn't have a chance to listen to this morning's message, please go back and uh, just catch some things. A bit of an unconventional message. Uh, I basically just stood up here for 35, 40 minutes and asked you a bunch of questions, and uh, I'm going to do that a little bit tonight, and uh, I, I was telling my wife, I, I don't intend to engineer the same spirit that God put on the service this morning, and I really did feel like the Lord was with us, and the Lord was working in my heart, and I think he was working in your heart, and I intend, I expect that he'll probably do the same thing, uh, but we don't necessarily need to try to fabricate or jump back into that sobriety of this morning, uh, but I really do want to ask a couple more questions about a couple more areas of our Christian life um, uh, that we can look back on 2023 as we move into 2024. Now, we said this morning that New Year's is God's idea. It was the beginning of Israel's nationhood, and it was there was a demarcation for them in the Passover. Uh, the first event and the first holiday of their calendar uh, was the Passover and the blood of that perfect lamb that was shed. Again, a picture of what Jesus would ultimately do. Uh, but the whole purpose, we saw that whole purpose of the first New Year's, God giving them a calendar was to give them a new beginning and a new opportunity at identity and a new opportunity at freedom from bondage. And I think that fits pretty well, even in our current uh, understanding of New Year's. Um, e- even 3,500 years or so ago, uh, we they, they still held, or rather we still still hold after 3,500 years, we still hold New Year's as kind of a new beginning uh, opportunity. And that's great. Uh, It's a great opportunity for us to examine and to move forward, to do things differently. And I think that is perfect and uh, plenty scriptural for us to try to observe tonight. Um, Again, we're not observing a Passover. We're not creating a a new national identity, but we can kind of look at New Year's in its first inception and say, hey, they were trying to start over and we can take the same kind of approach to New Year's this evening. Um, So I would really encourage you, like I said, to go back and listen into the morning's message, uh, whereby, whereby we can just take inventory of our, ourselves. Um, one thing I want to encourage you, I thought about it this afternoon as I was just kind of reviewing my notes. I want to encourage every husband and wife, teenagers jump in this as well, but I want to encourage every husband and wife perhaps to go home uh, and tomorrow have these conversations with your spouse and uh, begin to obviously go first to Jesus and, and take inventory of your own heart, but it'd probably be a good idea. Most of us might be off tomorrow would be my guess. Uh, it's New Year's Day, and so most of us are probably going to have some extra time. So maybe after you grab some coffee, sit down with your spouse and walk through the different questions that we asked this morning. And so just briefly, let me cover them. The first question or questions we asked dealt with the idea in our relationship with the Word of God. And uh, how have we done this last year? Just taking inspection, uh, just observing our, our actions and how we behaved ourselves and what we did uh, as it relates to the Word of God. The second question and second area that we observed, we kind of popped the hood on. Uh, was the, the question of how, we, how did we do in prayer last year? Well, what about coming before the throne of God? That incredible opportunity, is it something that we partook in on a regular basis? And again, like I said, man, go to your spouse and have these conversations tomorrow. I think it'd be great. This third thing we discussed uh, was how did we do uh, in our relationship with sin last year? Uh, in, in, for every single one of us, my, my, my educated guess is that we took some ground and maybe in some areas we, we didn't do so well. And so this is a great opportunity to look at the new year and say, I want to come out of bondage. Uh, I, want to, I want to grow in this area. I want, to, I want to be victorious in this area. I lost ground last year, but by the grace of God at the end of 2024, I'm going to be victorious over that vice or that besetting sin. Uh, the fourth question and the fifth question dealt with our family. The fourth question was about our spouse. How did we do in our relationship with the most important, uh, the most important earthly relationship God has given us in our spouse? 
How did we do? Have we spent good time with them? Are we closer to them now than we were at the start of the year? Uh, and those are important things to observe. And that's a good conversation, like I said, to have with your wife uh, or you ladies with your husband. Question number five we asked and we ended on is how did we do as a parent um, this last year? Now, let me, we have a lot of kids in the room this morning that, or re- tonight that were in the morning. Uh, I think it'd be important for you children to observe your own self too. How did you do as a child this year? Were you obedient? Uh, we read Ephesians 6, 4, but Ephesians 6, 1 is to you children that you would obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Uh, this last year, you young people, I want you to think through your mind. Did you honor your parents and did you obey your parents? And really all we're trying to do is observe so that we can fix. Uh, try to diagnose because if we're if we're going to make any progress in 2024, it's going to have to we're going to have to be honest with ourselves about where we're starting from. Uh, we're all on the starting block somewhere in all of those areas, but where are we at? How, how far do we have to go, and how far behind might we be? Now, as I was reading this week, I came across a powerful passage in Lamentations chapter three. Lamentations is a book written by Jeremiah, and uh, it's written before the fall of the nation of Israel. And really, the word lamentation is just it, it, it would be uh, the word uh, way. Wailing or mourning um, is another way to understand that particular word. And Jeremiah writes this entire book crying out on God's behalf to the nation of Israel that they would turn. Uh, It's really almost a last ditch, Hail Mary kind of pleading with the people uh, of Israel that they would turn. And he makes a powerful statement. And all the context doesn't necessarily fit to our situation. Uh, We're not getting taken over. We're not, you know, we're not the nation of Israel. And so, yes, you can over contextualize and never make an application for anything in the Old Testament. But there is, a, there is a, a, a part of this text that I do want us to look at that really captures the heart and desire of this morning and tonight's message. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 39, I want you to see what he says. He says, Wherefore do it, doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? And again, contextually, Israel is bemoaning that God is bringing judgment on them, but it's their own fault. And, and Jeremiah says, hey, listen, if you're complaining, you're complaining because you're being punished for your sins. Notice what he says. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. And that's important. That's, that's really, uh, these questions have been designed today to evoke that exact response. That we would realize, hey, I do have some complaints about last year that, hey, I didn't do so hot in this area and this area of marriage got way harder and I didn't do so hot in my parenting and, you know, my, my, my relationship with sin wasn't what it ought to be. Okay, well, if you're being punished, then let's go ahead and let's, let's search our hearts and try our ways and turn again to God and lift up our heart before him so that we might get right with him. And certainly there's areas we all drop the ball. My hope is, my prayer and my expectation, I should say, is that in some areas we did well. We grew, we, we moved forward, and I hope that can be said. So this morning we saw five questions. I mentioned we had a couple more. Um, I also mentioned we were going to move on a spectrum, right? That on this side of the spectrum where we started this morning was very personal, was very internal, was very us and Jesus, and then even us and sin, and then us and our family. We're going to move further away from the center of our soul, and now we're going to move into a more corporate setting, a more corporate arena. We're primarily going to deal with our relationship with the kingdom and the people of God. And that's really where we're headed tonight. Uh, And I want to say this, that's a totally legitimate inspection point. Um, Sometimes I use the illustration this morning of going in for an, uh, you know, uh, an oil change and they do the 21 point inspection. And some of them are completely, uh, you know, uh, arbitrary to me. I'm not sure why we're checking blinker fluid. I didn't even know my car had blinker fluid. Some of you also don't know your car doesn't have blinker fluid. But uh, this particular inspection is completely legitimate that we as God's people at the end of the year, all the stuff we checked this morning, I think was also very important, where we're, hey, our family and our soul and our sin and our relationship with God, 
But what is also very, very important to check is if we are living for the kingdom. If we are living outwardly, sometimes we make a mistake. Um, and this arena right here, we tend to think that Christianity is just for us, right? It's a, it's a benefit. And listen, the fact of the matter is we are the beneficiaries of Christianity. As we walk with Jesus, man, he blesses us. He honors those who honor him. We are better for it. Our families are blessed because of it. But Christianity is not just about what he does for us. There's an intake portion to Christianity, but there's also an outflow of Christianity. And so this morning, we really looked at the intake, like how are we doing in our relationship? The Word of God, is it changing us? How are we doing with our relationship with sin? Now, tonight, we're really going to look at how does Christianity flow out of me and into the people that God has put around me, both the saved and the lost. That's really the direction that we're going. Um, Remember our stated purpose before we go to prayer uh, is to diagnose in order to repair. The stated purpose is not just to make you feel like trash, okay? Um, I I think sometimes that's that's unavoidable. uh, If we'll allow it to be godly sorrow, not the sorrow of the world, because that's sorrow work of death. It just makes you feel horrible. Um, But conviction is a good thing. That shouldn't make you feel like trash. It should make you feel like okay, the answer's wrong, but God's given me grace to do it right now. And that, that's where a Christian's relationship should be. So the, the purpose is not just to point out a bunch of areas, you know, your marriage is terrible and you don't even care about your kids. That's definitely, definitely not the direction. But again, if we're gonna, if we're gonna change what the scale says, if we're gonna change the noise and the smoke coming out of our engine bay, we're gonna have to acknowledge that's the problem and this year, this year can be different. Uh, and so this evening, I want us to inspect our heart toward another very important aspect, not just our family, our God, but I want us to examine our, our heart and our relationships toward each other as a church family, and then toward uh, the lost people uh, in terms of, of, of the kingdom work. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to dive in, just begin to ask some questions. Let's ask him for help tonight. Lord, would you guide? And uh, Lord, we're, we're excited about some other things tonight, but Lord, can we set that aside, and can I set that aside? Um, my own heart to be able to bring the text to the, the people tonight. Lord, you love them and I love them. God, I'm thankful for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives and in our church family. But Lord, we, we want to be better. We certainly do. We want to be better as individuals. We talked about that this morning. We want to be better corporately as a church. We're going to talk about that tonight. And I pray God you'll help us. Lord, help us to recognize if there's a problem in our church, it's because there's a problem in us because we are the church. And so, Lord, I pray, God, you'll help us. I pray that we would examine ourselves. I pray that we would be honest with ourselves. I pray that, Lord, where repentance is needed, repentance would be had. I pray, God, that through all of this, we would reflect and be more like Jesus because of what we hear and because of what we study tonight. Lord, I pray your your spirit upon me. I pray, God, for wisdom as I go through the text. I pray you'll help me uh, to remember the things I've studied. And, Father, if you want to remove something, please uh, take the, the, the reins in that situation. And, God, just guide us tonight. May you be glorified for what we do in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to go uh, on pace with this morning's message. We're not going to change the style. Uh, the style of the morning's message was unique to me. Basically, we read some text, and then we just asked questions, and then we took some time to think. Um, we may not pause as much. Um, I, I, I don't want to kind of milk that. I, I want that to be genuine. I want the Spirit of God to work in our hearts. And so if we need to pause, we'll pause. We'll take that Selah moment. For those of you who don't know what that word is, it appears a bunch of times in the Old Testament, primarily in the book of Psalms. And it's a musical demarcation. It's, it's basically stop and breathe. So every singer singing Psalm 20, or Psalm 47. When it says Selah, they're all supposed to stop. And there's a, a breathing moment and a pause and, and let that music sink in and let everybody gather together so we can sing the next stanza. And so uh, when you read the word Selah in the, in the book of Psalms, it's a good time to just stop and digest what you've just read. And we'll try to do that tonight just a little bit. We'll try to be genuine and fair with it though. So here's our first question. We're going to ask kind of a big arching question. Like I said, there's just two areas we're going to look at. The first area is how is my relationship toward my church family in 2023? How did I do. 
That's a huge question, right? That's almost too big uh, to take in one bite. And really the only way to answer that question is to break it down into smaller areas. What, what do we mean in our relationship with each other? And there's, there's kind of a couple primary areas that I want to lean into and kind of chase after. And uh, so I've got subpoints tonight, far more subpoints than I would normally have. Uh, I've got two big points and then a couple subpoints here and a couple subpoints here. And I'll try to help you understand the framework of where we're going. But the big idea is how is my relationship, how was my relationship? to my church family last year. And we're going to ask, the very first area that I want to look at with with that is how well did we as Christians, and again, I want to be careful. I'm not trying to ask you how well did you do in this. I want to ask myself this. So I'm going to try to use the word we uh, as the, the subject there. So how well did we engage in the corporate process of church? Now, listen, we all know, and we've heard it so many times this year, that the church is a body, the church is a family, it has corporate functions, and that requires individuals, right, to engage and to bring their gifting and to corporately join in the mission of the church. And how well, so let me ask you, how well uh, did we do that? How do we know if we did it well this last year? Well, let me ask you a question that may diagnose it. In 2023, how faithful were you to engage in the actual services of Faith Baptist Church? Another way to ask that, uh, I'm just simply asking, did you come to church? Because you can't engage in the corporate process of worship if you're not present for the corporate process of worship. Now, be honest with ourselves. How did we do last year? Now, I understand I disregard seasons of legitimate sickness or injury or ailment. We've had a lot of that. I think most of us have been served a slice of that this year. Uh, different families missing time. That, that, that's understandable. So disregard that. Certainly, you don't need to judge yourself. I don't think God judges you for that. But when it comes to the times you were able to be in the house of God, did you come? Were you present? How about the times that you actually scheduled to be absent from any house of God? You say, Pastor, you don't believe in vacation? I totally believe in vacation. In fact, the book of Ecclesiastes makes me believe in vacation far more. That, hey, if God's going to bless you with work, you ought to enjoy it with your family. And I am for all of you taking time and going away and, you know, doing this thing. But is God so grievous we must need vacation from him, from his house? So listen, if, we, if, if our relationship with the corporate body of Christ is to be understood or to be observed or to be uh, um, uh, investigated or uh, inspected is the word that I'm looking for, one of the ways that we can tell how engaged we were was by how present we were. I would say another way to, to, to figure out and, and uh, uh, investigate what our relationship with the church would be is to answer this question. In what ways did you help carry the ministry service load of your church this year? How, how, last year, in what capacities did you help carry the corporate responsibility of the church? Think about, and there are so many, we don't possibly have time to go over the many, many corporate responsibilities of a church. Uh, evangelism, uh, just across the board. And for some in the room, if you're honest with yourself, you'd be able to say, you know what? This last year, you know, God, God used me. Now, y'all ought to be proud in that. You ought to be able to say, hey, by the grace of God, I got to teach or I got to serve. I got to change diapers. I got to help spread the gospel. I got to help clean or mow or disciple or be in music or lead music. And that's an amazing gift to be able to be involved in corporately accomplishing the work of ministry. But can we honestly by ourselves say that we were a part of that? What fruit exists within the walls of Faith Baptist Church that brings glory to Jesus that are a direct result of your labors in the body of Christ? 
Now, again, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I just want us to have the greatest 2024, the greatest new year we can possibly have. And if we're going to get there, we got to own honestly where we were, what our baseline was. And I know that not everybody physically has the same capability as everybody. Oh, we've got some young men, two young men, the Aniguez boys, they show up every Friday and they mow and carry bags and do all those things. And I'm not expecting Miss Freyer to come and mow the lawn, right? But we, we heard a great story on Wednesday night this last week about Anna, 104 years old. And her, the Bible says day and night serving the Lord. What was she doing? She was fasting and she was praying. That was her service to Jesus. And it is amazing to me. There are, there's a handful, there's particularly two ladies that they, every week they are here. They tell me, Pastor, all week long I prayed for your sermon prep. All week long I prayed that God's power would be upon you. All week long I prayed that God would use the preaching of the sermon. That is a huge blessing to me. And that's a ministry to our church. I get it. They're not going to ride the riding lawnmower, but they can serve Jesus in prayers or fastings or laboring in some capacity for the kingdom's work. And so let us just examine what area of, well, what cost your strength this year? Because the Bible tells us the great, greatest commandment, right? The first and greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. So this last year, as I'm examining my engagement with the body of Christ, did I help carry the load? Did I use my strength so the ministry of God, the kingdom of heaven could be advanced through the church he made me a part of? What a blessing to be a part of a church, isn't it? It's awesome to have saints that sharpen you and encourage you and carry the load. And the more people laboring, doesn't necessarily lighten the load, but it does mean more gets done for the kingdom's work. So one of the greatest, uh, uh, one of the, core, uh, let me see what my notes are saying, I'm sorry. See, that doesn't make sense. I don't know who, baby, could you write this better next time? Oh, oh, here it is. Okay, now I know what I wrote. Okay, forgive me. One of the corporate responsibilities of, of the church, we're going to jump to another area. So we talked about serving. We talked about being present. Another very important aspect of church engagement is the communal responsibility to engage in faithful and scriptural giving. Listen, the ministry of Faith Baptist Church, the kingdom work that comes through Faith Baptist Church, is funded exclusively through the obedience of God's people, my family included and your family included. And I want to ask, and it behooves me, I'm going to speak on this more in the new year, it's important that we are faithful to do what God has called us to do. Just as service is not the responsibility of 20% of the church, giving is not the responsibility of 20% of the church. We ought to do our part. My family ought to carry our part and give according as God has given us and as he's prospered me and I'm supposed to give and be faithful to that. And I know that's pokey, but that's important. Have we been faithful to engage in our church? One of the ways we're going to know if we're faithfully engaging in the process and responsibility of our church, a clear scriptural indicator of where our heart is, is where our treasure went. Did we, have we, were we faithfully engaging in the process of giving? In Paul's second letter, go with me if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. It's one of my favorite verses on the heart of giving. Um, and it happens in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Paul's writing a letter to the Corinthians. He is encouraging the saints. They've been growing in grace. I wanted to read like uh, verses 4 through 7. Uh, we're not going to read those verses, but he's just saying, hey, you've grown in faith and you've grown in knowledge and you've grown in this area. And he's encouraging them not just to grow in knowledge and in faith and so forth, but to grow in the grace of giving. That's important. Look at it with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 7. He says, therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. 
Now, I, I, I'll have to ask you to trust me, but you don't actually have to trust me. You can read the verses after this and read all the verses before this. The grace he's talking about is the grace of giving. And he's talking about giving particularly to the offering that's being taken up for the church in Jerusalem. But what he says to them is just so incredibly unique to me. He says, hey, you're, you're growing in grace. You're growing in your utterance and in your faith and in your knowledge, but don't forget to grow in the grace of giving as well. And I would bet, man, God has been so good. We've had so many folks added to the church this year. It's been awesome to see people grow in grace and grow in faith and grow in utterance. And man, they're teaching when they never taught before. And man, they've got faith where areas they didn't have faith before. And now they know things they didn't know before spiritually. But can I tell you the expectation of the Father is not that you would just abound in faith, that you would abound in the grace of giving as well, that you would grow in that area that you as a church member would begin to participate in carrying the kingdom load and responsibility of furthering the gospel through your church. And again, perhaps as the year closes, it finds you in disobedience. You've maybe not been faithful to this corporate responsibility. Well, there's two things you can do. Number one, you can, you can give. The, the year's not over. You can, be, you can make that right. 2024, you can start right. You can begin to be faithful in your giving so that the kingdom can go forward. So we talked about our corporate responsibility in being here, in serving here, and in giving here. Let's move to another aspect of our relationship with our church family, okay? Those were the subpoints of point one. Question one is about our church. Question two is about the lost. We're still on question one, but we're kind of on subpoint number two. Move to another aspect of our relationship. Here's the question. How did we engage last year in investing in people's lives in our church? otherwise known as discipleship. In what way uh, did we invest our life in helping those around us in our church family become more like Jesus? Who at Faith Baptist Church is more like Jesus today? And again, I'm not trying to feather your cap. I'm also not trying to light it on fire, okay? So if you're here and you're like, yeah, that person's awesome because of me. Okay, you're thinking about this all wrong. You ought to be able to say, you know what? I do think God used me. I do think there were some people that I was able to pour into and invest into but it's also probable and it's also likely that there might be folks in the room who would have to be able to be honest and say, I don't know. I don't know if I poured my, to whom did you actively impart the word of God? What group of people received your investment, spiritually speaking, this last year? And again, as much as we want to, we can't hate the scale for its answer, for its truth. And so if we look at this and say, I don't like that question, you can't hate the scale. If nobody is more like Jesus because of your investment, because you didn't make that investment, you cannot get mad at somebody for asking the question. And again, the goal is not to make you feel bad. The goal is to get you to be honest and say, you know what? I didn't, but 2024, I'm in. 2024, I'm actively going to engage and seek for opportunity. And where can I serve, pastor? And how can I invest? And where can I pour my life? And who needs, you know, what area of service needs to be filled? Put me in, pastor. I want to serve it. Listen, that's an important thing to examine. We're not trying to see if we pass or fail tonight. No one should be patting themselves on the back like I did more than that person. We ought to be trying to take inventory of our hearts so that we can make necessary adjustments going forward. Listen, 2 Timothy 2.2 is an all-church expectation. I've said this so many times. We've seen it. It says, and the things which thou hast learned of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou unto faithful men, shall be able to teach others also. That's an all-church expectation. We should all be teaching 
someone else. There should be a Timothy under our wing. There should be Timothys under our influence. There should be people that we are helping become more like Jesus. We're not trying to build a band or a bunch of groupies who follow us and, you know, love us and worship us. No, we're trying to build disciples for Jesus. We're trying to help them fall in love with the word of God. We're trying to help them understand the word of God. We're trying to help them become an active, faithful, useful part of the body. We're trying to develop their gifts, trying to help them by the grace of God, be a servant for Jesus. And that is something every member should be involved in. Now, I will say this, we, we've got an awesome freshman class, it's kind of what I'm calling it, forgive me, freshman class of church members who joined this last year, and uh, so many of them have gotten saved in our ministry here in the last year, and they've gotten baptized, and so they're probably not going to be teaching junior church this next week, right? Um, but what is so cool, though, is to watch them take the, maybe the little bit that they know and bring it to coworkers. We've had coworkers get saved and baptized. We've seen friends come to church. It's amazing to me to watch these new Christians take the gospel out on the golf course with their brother and their friend and pastor, pray for me. I've got this meeting with this person and I want to give them the gospel. And they, they don't know a whole lot, but they're being faithful with what they know. And my fear is that there's a lot of us who probably know a whole lot being faithful for what, what, what we know. And if we could be honest with ourselves, we can change. If we're getting ticked off at this question, hey, your 2024 is going to be just like your 2023. But if we can say, you know what? It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother. It's not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. This is something I did wrong, something I dropped the ball on, something I wasn't faithful in. I want to do right. I'm going to make it right. And by the grace of God in 2024, I'm going to walk in truth and I'm going to pour my life into people through discipleship. So how's my relationship toward corporate responsibility of our church? We picked two areas so far. We're going to get to a third one and be done with that one. We said, number one, what's my relationship uh, uh, toward, uh, toward serving and engaging? What's my relationship toward teaching and discipling? And then I would say number three, this is important, and I know this one just kind of comes out of my own heart, but, but please hear, it's, it's a biblical reality. Here's the third question. I'm just trying to take inventory. How is my relationship for the flaws of my church family? This is, uh, this is important. Um, Listen, churches are just a group of broken people. We know that, right? Everybody in here is flawed. Everybody in here is broken. Nobody in here is perfect, but we're trying to serve a perfect God. And if you put enough broken people in the same place, there's going to be conflict. I'm not minimizing the conflict, right? The Bible says it's impossible that offenses should come, but it also says, but woe unto him by whom offenses come. So I'm not saying, well, offenses come, get over it. No, don't be the one who causes offense but we're going to have to have the grace of God, like we read in, in Sunday school this morning, that's available to us to have peace and make peace with all men. Listen, if you stick around Faith Baptist Church for more than 13 minutes, you're going to see that people have faults. You're going to see that people make mistakes. You're, somebody's going to disappoint me or, and disappoint you. We could all share stories, though that's probably not a healthy thing to do. But we could all share stories. We all have scars from church people or church leadership. Uh, for me, I got saved 23 years ago. It's coming up on 23 years, January 21st. I'll be saved for 23 years. Praise the Lord for that. But I'd say in those 23 years, if I can be honest, I have been blown away by the imperfections of Christians. People can be selfish. Christians can be selfish. They can be cutting, vindictive, immoral. They can throw away everything for a moment of pleasure. They can be forgetful and uncompassionate. So why stick to it? Why not walk away from imperfect brokenness that's bound up in the walls of 1960 Ming Avenue? Can I give you the answer? I, th I think you need to listen to this carefully. 23 years ago when I got saved, I learned there was a difference between abject brokenness 
and brokenness that is being redeemed by Jesus. Let me explain what I mean. Lost people are broken too, okay? You that work in a secular field, you know that. They gossip, they're vindictive, they're unkind, uh, they're abusive. Lost people are broken too, but here's the thing about their brokenness. It's, they're, it's abject, There's, it's hopeless. It's not going to improve on its own. You know, coworker Cindy, who's the constant gossip, isn't just gonna someday on her own accord turn from her sin and become a better person. She's lost. She's dead in trespasses and sin. And lost people have abject, unhealable, obviously Jesus can heal, but in their own setting, without the, uh, the inter- uh, intervention of Jesus, their, their lostness is hopeless. Their brokenness is hopeless. Their hope, they're, they're, they're not going to get better. There's no intention or hope for change. Their gossip came with no conviction or remorse. But here's what makes the church beautiful. Is that while, yes, there are broken people here, Jesus is actively working in those broken people and in their brokenness. It's a beautiful thing to watch someone who struggled with anger or struggled with a sharp tongue or struggled with lust all over the course of their life begin to watch Jesus change them. Listen, I have hope for those broken people uh, and, those, uh, the, uh, and that even the people who their brokenness has hurt my life, I have hope that Jesus can change them and will reshape them just like I have hope that Jesus can change me and reshape me. And that's the difference. That's why you don't walk away from church because it's got flaws and people make mistakes and they're not perfect. You're right. Go down the street. They're just going to be just as broken. You just don't know it yet. You haven't spent 15 years with that person. You haven't spent six months with that person. Oh, but it's a new church, and they're so this, and they're so that right now. But stick around long enough. Marriage teaches you that. Church teaches us that. Listen, and love hopeth all things, and believeth all things, and endureth all things, and holds out hope that Jesus can change that person. And yes, I understand that that is a painful process to hope. But at least that brokenness can be redeemed. Versus an abject brokenness that has no hope. Listen, if we truly believe this truth, then why would we have such a critical spirit toward our church family and the saints of God? Proverbs 17.9 says this, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. When a brother can look at another brother and say, you know what, yeah, yeah, you did forget. Or yeah, you know what, <laughs> that's, that's probably not the right way to handle that. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a pass. Listen, don't, don't, don't take what I didn't say and say all the things I didn't say. Pastor said, cover immorality. It did not say that. But when you can look at a brother and say, you know what? They did drop the ball. But I'm going to cover that transgression. What, do, what is that person doing? They're seeking love. The rest of the verse says this, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. And that is a deadly, deadly spirit to have in a church. Not only am I going to not overlook their flaw, I'm going to carry that and repeat that matter so as to separate chief friends. Instead of overlooking someone's quirks or hiccups or mistakes, we repeat the matter. Listen, that's a surefire way to know that love is lacking. Because he that covereth the matter seeketh love. But he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. Listen, if that has been our spirit in 2023 toward our church family, toward the saints of God, then there needs to be repentance. It's so easy to find faults. Your spouse can find them in you. I can find them in you and you can find them in me. You, you might have tonight, and this is, no, this is no excuse for why you got them. You might have scars in your life with my name on it. But I'd be willing to bet you I have scars in my life with your name on it. Just like they have one with his and she has one with hers. The only way we fix that is when Jesus comes back. 
But until then, we're going to have to separate, we're going to have to cover a transgression and seek love. It's easy to find faults. Let me say this. It's easy to attack the bride. But can you remember this? She has a husband who will lay down her, his life in her defense. It drives me insane when someone just wants to, oh, the church this and the church this and the church this. Now, listen, if there's a problem in the church, we ought to address that. I'm totally for that. But when someone just wants to scorch earth the church, to me, I shut down on that. Like, if you want to come and say, hey, you know, your wife, she's struggling with this, and maybe we can help her. Okay, cool. But if, if all you care to do is just cut down and cut down and cut down and cut down, that's my wife. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, for, I'm not there for that. And Jesus isn't there for the person who just wants to, oh, the church, and oh, the church this, oh, the church that, and oh, the church that. Yes, oh, the church that. Because they're broken and so are you. But if we're going to have a better 2024 and a stronger 2024, our spirit toward our church family needs to be one of grace. And perhaps we need to get right with God before midnight tonight. But let's move to our last question. This one's much, much shorter. We first asked, what's our relationship toward the bride of Christ? Let's go number two. What about my relationship in 2023? Toward lost people, who, like I said, won't spend a whole lot of time, but it is something that we need to take inventory on the final day of this year. John chapter 4, verse 34 says this, Jesus saith unto them, my, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Jesus has just witnessed and uh, redeemed the woman at the well and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already unto harvest. So let's, let's step on the scale. Not to commend ourselves and be like, I did better than anybody at faith. That's not the heartbeat. We're not going to compare ourselves with ourselves. But let's examine ourselves. Do we honestly love lost people? Not as a church, as an individual. Selah. Do you love lost people? When you see the kids at the park, there's no parents around. Not, not as, I don't say that to make them feel bad, but when you look at that kid across the playground that's riding his bicycle or throwing a football, do you see them as a shepherdless soul whom Jesus died for? This last year, I hope nobody can answer yes, but I'm also not naive to think that, that there aren't going to be. In 2023, did we pass out a single track? At all? To a coworker, to a family member, to someone who lived in our neighborhood? Question number next, did we present the gospel even once this year? The chances are, if you've been here for any amount of time, you probably know how to. You may not know how to as well as this person or as well as that person, and none of that matters. Do you know enough? And I'm sure that you do. If you know what Jesus did for you, you know, you know a good amount enough to share at least the beginnings of the gospel with someone. Did you do that this year? Is there anybody that you sat down with and shared with them that Jesus died for them and that their sins can be forgiven and that he died in their place so that the wrath of God doesn't have to rest on us, but it rested on him? Is there anybody this year that heard that from your mouth? Let me ask even further. Now, again, this, is, this one is a little bit more obscure, but I, I still don't think we could excuse ourselves. God is the one who does the saving. No one in this room ever saved someone. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But did anyone come to saving faith through the message you preached? You see, that's not my responsibility. I agree. But if you do it enough, it's going to happen. The, the word of God will not return void. Amen. So if you're doing it enough, somebody's going to come to faith. 
And we can stand and we can have, you know, our church should be this, our church should be that. Did you lead anybody to Christ this year? Did you share the gospel with anybody this year? That's an important thing to examine in our own heart. Did anybody in your workplace or in your family hear the truth out of your mouth this year? It's an important thing to examine because if we just carry on with business as usual, we'll just do what we did last year. But if we could stop and look back at last year and say, I didn't do what I ought to have done. Hey, then we're on the right steps. We bought batteries for the scale. We, we acknowledge that, you know what? That is uncomfortable. I'm not pleased with that. That doesn't fix everything, but you're at least moving in the right direction. You're going to have to make changes in this next year. You're going to have to walk in the spirit a little bit more. You're going to have to be more intentional with your schedule and with your time and with your courage. You're going to have to ask God for grace. You're going to have to ask God for opportunities. You're going to, have to start looking for opportunities, uh, and God's going to give those to you. Let me just say this in, in genuine closing this evening. These are just my final thoughts. They're not necessarily connected to the previous ones, but God has so much, I truly believe, for our church this next year. And if we're going to go forward, we need healthy individuals that are unified for a greater purpose. Satan is not threatened by a divided church, not even in the least bit. He isn't worried about a disjointed body of believers who are constantly pointing out each other's flaws while the whole world goes to hell around them. He's fine with that church. He'll leave that one entirely alone. This is not the theme for next year. Um, we have a different theme. I can't tell it to you just yet, but I want to tell you what my personal theme. Here's my goal for me as a Christian, as a husband, as a pastor, as a father, it's just three words, more like Jesus. That's my hope. That's not, a, that's, that's, that's not some outlandish, I don't want to be a millionaire. I don't care if I'm a millionaire by the end of the year. I don't care if I'm broke by the end of the year. I do want to be more like Jesus. And that is, it's, it's, it's three words, so it sounds easy, but it's going to require a lot of death to self. It's going to require a lot of, you know what, I'm wrong here. It's going to require a lot of that. Like I said, it's not our annual theme, but I want, if the Lord tarries is coming, at the end of 2024, we're standing in December 31st, I want to be able, and I, I, I don't know that I could say it, but I would hope that the Lord would look down and say, you look more like my son this year because of you walked in this truth. I hope that can be said of all of us. Really, I said it a little bit this morning, just in, I think I said it in the invitation, but every one of these questions goes back to that. If we'll walk with God in spirit and in truth, we'll be the better husband. We'll be a better father. We'll be a better carpenter. We'll be a better everything. All of these, we'll care about the lost more. We'll care about our church family more. We'll be more gracious. We'll be more forgiving. We'll overlook a matter. If we'll walk and be like Jesus this year, our church can grow and go in leaps and bounds forward for the cause of Christ. And I really do desire that for our church. But that's going to have to happen on an individual level long before it happens on a corporate level. And I'm part of that individual level, right? And so are you. And so let's examine our hearts. We'll just take a brief moment of invitation and ask God uh, uh, to work in our hearts. And we'll dismiss and enjoy some fellowship. Father, thank you for tonight.